0: Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church?
1: Yeah, that's me.
0: Or do you think the church is out of touch?
1: Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Shane Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Shane Demon coming to you from St. Louis, flying solo today without Father Crotty, my sidekick. Um, But we are privileged to have in town with us today. The president of the University of Mary from Bismarck, North Dakota, Monsignor James Shea. Monsignor, welcome to Outcast Catholic.
0: Hey, it's wonderful to be here with you, Father Demon. You know that being president of the University of Mary isn't my proudest accomplishment, though. (laughs) Being a priest of
1: Jesus Christ maybe is?
0: (laughs) Yes. And I'm the friend of Father Brad Pelzel. There you go. Exactly.
1: Exactly. The pastor of... um, Modern day parish in Sioux City and one of our vicars general. Yeah, he was. He
0: was. He was in my class at the North American College, yeah, yeah. and he, we all looked up to him because he was an old man already when he arrived. Because he had been the manager of Wendy's restaurant. That's right. And I love hamburgers, and so I just attached myself right to that guy. He and became
1: my hero. He's a great cook. Yes, he's very hospitable. Yes, yes. He, he just he's great. He's great. So shout out to Father Brad. Um, Yeah, I I had forgotten that you're a classmate of his, aren't you, class of 02? that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. Well, welcome back to St. Louis. I know you've come through town several other times just for events. Uh, You're a busy guy, and I know you're speaking at the um, Seat conference, which 20,000 young adults are attending. Uh, Thank God for Focus Missionaries for doing such great work in evangelization, and thank God for the University of Mary, under your leadership, trying to do a lot of great work with intellectual but also human and spiritual formation with young adults, and as part of that effort, um, you know, the University of Mary has, has undertaken new publications, new websites, um, lots of new initiatives to, to uh, reach those beyond your campus borders. And uh, recently, in, a, in the last few years, your classic text, which has just become referenced in all the corners of the Catholic Church here in the United States, um, from Christendom to an apostolic age i don 't know how many thousands of copies that 's printed, um, but it, you know it 's just really helped us understand the, the terrain that we 're now navigating with the sake of, for the sake of evangelization in a world that no longer has christendom to to you know, uphold it and now just recently, just in the past few weeks, you have a new publication that 's come out um, called the religion of the day and um, it 's a fascinating read. Uh, I loved going through it uh, it's it 's the philosophical concepts are a little deeper than that first text, um, but it's it's pointing at some really profound truths. Uh, you know, I'm just kind of curious for our li- the sake of our listeners who have not picked up the text yet. Um, how did that whole project come about, um, and what are, what is kind of the driving theme that you as as the university representative really want to? to capture in that text
0: sure so the the whole the whole project you talk about new publications and new projects of outreach and all of those things i mean there is one sense in which you can say that you know we we're not simply doing things at the University of Mary for ourselves, ad intra, so to speak. We really want them to overflow and, and to be effervescent and to assist the the wider church. But we don't see ourselves, you know, we wouldn't say, oh, the University of Mary is on the forefront of the new evangelization. We're the tip of the spear or any of that kind of stuff. We, we've only ever conceived of ourselves as a, a humble part of the Catholic Church trying to do our job, our work of, of Catholic higher education in the way that we can in our corner of the vineyard. Mm-hmm. Um, but the uh, the first book from Christendom Apostolic Mission really did grow out of a series of conversations that a group of good friends had had over the years, people that you know. You, you of course, uh, had contact, didn't you, with Catholic Studies at mm-hmm. the University of St. Thomas. Sure. A lot of my heroes uh, were there, people like Dr. Don Briel, mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, just other people who, who uh, including people at the University of Mary, some of our professors, who are keenly interested in these questions, as I am, as you are, of, of what it means to preach the gospel and really to live the gospel in the world uh, that we're in right now. And so uh, w- 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 it, uh, the result of these conversations was that first text uh, from Christendom to Apostolic Mission, which sat on my desk as a draft for three years. Wow! Um, it sat there just just uh, covering covered in dust, <laughs> and I'm I'm super embarrassed about it now. But I didn't think that it would have much relevance uh, in a, in a larger sense because it's really a, a kind of simple summary of papal teaching since Gaudet Mater Ecclesia, the uh-huh. the address that John the Twenty Third gave at the at the opening of the Second Vatican Council. Sure. And so uh, what happened is when the pandemic descended in March of 2020, for the first time in a long time, I had just a little bit of bandwidth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so sat down and, and worked with my team at University of Mary Press on kind of the final edits and and um, and formatting of, of the text. I, I'm, I'm not super good with computers okay. and, uh, you know, <laughs> typesetting and, okay. and all of those kinds of things. And thank you for we, your we
1: we have copyists and editors <laughs> yes, who can do right. all this right. And so uh,
0: so, w- so we we kind of got that together. We released it in May of 2020, uh-huh. uh, and and we put it up on Amazon.com because we, we have a little publishing house. We're not a massive, we're not Stanford University Press or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and we put it out, and it, it began, began slowly to sell just a couple of copies, but we really published it as an internal Magna Carta. I wanted my people at the University of Mary to know what we were up to, mm-hmm. what our local what our Lodestar was, so mm-hmm. to speak, what what we were aiming for, mm-hmm. and and why we were making decisions in the way that we were making them. Because strategically, I think sometimes people thought, who who are the crazy people running this place? Sure. Why why are they doing <laughs> things like this? And sure. what a, what a strange way of What's going about, up to now? Right, right. Here here <laughs> we go again. That was the big slogan. Yeah, yeah. Here we go again. <laughs>
1: you know, <laughs> this tangled thing. ideas. Right, <laughs>
0: and so uh, so so we wanted to make that clear. It began to sell just a little bit, and then all of a sudden, by September of that year. It was selling 150 copies every single day out of our bookstore. Oh. And we were very surprised about it. And we couldn't keep up. We had printed maybe 500 copies at the beginning. I don't remember. the. F- it was 300, 500. Mm-hmm. Something like that is the number of copies in the first printing. Mm-hmm. Well, that was stupid yeah. because it, 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 was, it was something that began to sell much more quickly than we could get uh, new copies printed for. And since then, it has become, to my great embarrassment, a little bit of a phenomenon. Wow. Uh, I was at a, a, luncheon today with Archbishop Carlson, who used to be the Archbishop here in, in St. Louis, and he mm-hmm. he referenced it several times in his talk. Wow! Uh, and and so it, it's sort of it's sort of gotten into the into the drinking water, so mm-hmm. to speak, and that's that's great. Uh, except it's a, it's a difficult theme in that we've moved out of Christendom, out of a, a Christian civilization, into a new apostolic age. We've been here before. The Church knows how to do this. Mm-hmm. In the first 300 years, it was all about apostolic mission. In right. the long years of Christendom, in the long centuries of Christendom, there were apostolic uh, initiatives in all of the... In all of the missionary activity of the church, and so people always knew that you did things differently in Paris than you would do them in Papua New Guinea. Sure. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, and so, uh, and so now the whole of the civilization, the whole of the culture, and this is Paul the Sixth, right, mm-hmm. uh, has become mission territory. Anyway, so at the end of that first text, uh, which is just a short essay, um, uh, at the end of that text is a description of the progressive vision as opposed to the Catholic imaginative vision. Mm. So what's the modern progressive vision versus the Catholic imaginative vision? Mm-hmm. This next book, The Religion of the Day, is an effort to expand upon that nice. uh, and, and, and sort of sketch out, as you said, a, a little bit more philosophically, a little bit more historically, mm. to give a little bit more oomph uh, and, 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 and uh, um, grounding Uh, to that idea and we think that it's super important to get that word out because It is a new religion uh, that has displaced Christianity slowly but surely over the course of the last 300 years. And if we're to bring the gospel into this new age, uh, we need to understand the religion that lots of people, including those who call themselves Christians, Mm -hmm. are are wandering around believing. And we ourselves need to be clear about it because we breathe the air of the culture Mm -hmm. too. And so it's easier for our minds, our hearts, and our emotions to get caught uh, up in some of uh, some of the um, the ideas of the time too. Mm-hmm.
1: That's a helpful background just to kind of understand the development of both of those texts. And for any of our listeners who are reading both of them to, to make that bridge to understand, okay, this is kind of a progressive vision that's in the world today. And even for, you know, well-intentioned Christians, practicing Catholics, it is this air that we're breathing. It's, ju- it's just in the ethos. Yeah. And uh, in this atmospheric, you know, world that we're swarming in, and, and contempt sometimes find a little, you know, disorientating. How do we actually parse through what is the church saying versus the many, many voices that are just surrounding me every single day? Right. Um, the problem
0: is podcasts. You know, yeah. people people can <laughs> say anything. Noise. People can say anything they want nowadays. <laughs> That's right.
1: That's right. So we're just going to keep filling the airwaves with more noise. <laughs> with more noise. Um, this this progressive vision of the day, uh the text is calling it kind of a neo-Gnosticism. Yeah, right. You know, um for our for our, you know, listeners who are doing a treadmill workout right now. Sure. Uh, can we give them just kind of the, the quick and ready understanding of what a Gnostic vision might be, or a yeah. an embrace of that truth? No, that's a
0: super question. And it, let me let me say first of all, the 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 book, The Religion of the Day, has three different parts to it. The Neo Gnostic description is really the first part, mm-hmm. and and we've we've framed the book in terms of three different battles so to speak, that we need to be ready for, to gird our loins for. Sure. To use an old uh, biblical, uh, biblical phrase, phrase. Yeah. we need to gird our loins yeah. for... for um, gear up. <laughs> for, we need to gear up for three different kinds of battles. One is the the perennial battle that, that the church always has to take the gospel into an unbelieving world, uh, the work of evangelization, which mm-hmm. is a different... It, it has a different tenor and tone in our present age than it would have had 100 years ago Mm -hmm. or even 50 years ago. The second battle is a battle which is internal to the church, which the church needs to fight in every age and time. Mm -hmm. And the last battle is the battle which is internal to your heart and to my heart, the battle that every Christian, every believer, every Catholic needs to fight all of the time, every day, when we get up in the morning and look in the mirror, and so these are the three battles, and we talk briefly about each of them. The the majority and the most meaty part of the book, really, uh, and, and this is why, <laughs> you know, in terms of the psychology of books, it's it's a funny thing that that first essay, uh, the the book, lots of people read it because they could read it so easily. Sure. People have such a short uh, attention span, and they're like, "Best book ever!" And I'm sure. like, "Oh, you should read books. <laughs> books are great." They're, they're there are other books, you know, that have like lots of there are new classics yeah, right? out <laughs> yeah, there. That's right. But anyway, um, but but this book really for and, and we worked hard at it. In other words, we we rearranged actually two chapters. We flipped them because we realized that it would be too much to to. We didn't want a fire hose sticking out of the first chapter, spraying mm-hmm. people in the face. Sure. But still, the, the first part is, I think, the most. Um, uh, intellectually challenging part. And, and there we talk about this neo-Gnosticism. And so Gnosticism is something which troubled the church in its very, very early years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's important to understand that it's a parasitic uh, kind of thing. In other words, it's it's not the it, it it's not something that that stands on its own without with its own doctrines and dogmas. It's something which is derivative by its very nature. Mm-hmm. And so, in every age, and especially in the early years of the church, and then in our own time, uh, neo-nosticism has taken Christian ideas, watered them down, warped them, changed them in in this way and that way, such that um, such that you can't conceive. Of the world in which we're living right now, of the religion of the day of today, without Christianity having come first, and this is a point which C.S. Lewis made a long time ago, that we're living in the first post-Christian uh, society in all of human history, the first mm-hmm. post-Christian, and he 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 gave a very very provocative. Um, image where he said it's the difference between uh, winning the heart of a young maiden who's never been in love before, which was what it was like to convert um, the uh, Roman Empire or the Greco-Roman world. Which is a, I, I think that's a, it's it's a good image. Of course, a lot of martyrs shed a lot of blood, but uh, but so can so uh, um, winning the heart of a young maiden who's never been in love before, as opposed to what we've got now, which is uh, winning a cynical divorce person back to his or her previous bond, right. which is a much more complicated and tricky business. Mm-hmm. And so you've got um you've got uh, a a kind of do you do you remember Ross Dow that wrote a oh, book sure. called Bad Religion uh-huh. uh some years ago, How We Became a Nation of Heretics? Mm-hmm. I think this this is basically what we're saying in a very different way, where um where he just he noted uh that 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 what's happened is that what used to be, so to speak, a Christian nation has descended into Christian heresies, mm. you know, uh, aberrations uh, or or alterations of the Christian faith.
1: And, and what becomes so cynical about all of that is that the aberrations and the and the warpings that come about um, become prized in themselves. Yes, and it becomes this this goal to say, well, do you have the secret interpretation? Yeah do you have do you have your grip on this exalted knowledge because if if you can interpret it in this way and see it in this derivative light well, all of a sudden you're on the fast track. That's right. And it becomes so enticing for people to jump on the bandwagon.
0: That's right. So ancient Gnosticism was, as you were referencing, caught up in this idea of a kind of secret knowledge that only the elite uh, know about. And and there is a, a definite strain of that in contemporary Gnosticism mm-hmm. as well. You know, it's it's the woke uh, thing that, that that people so easily uh, identify with.
1: And if you don't identify with, with it or with that... And of course, you're just dismissed, and like, oh, aren't you a pitiful case? You That's ju- right. You just think like those previous generations, you know? right? It's
0: not like there's not excommunication or or uh, the Spanish Inquisition anymore, right? The American Inquisition, the, right. uh, the university inquisitions, yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. You're either with us or canceled. That's right. Um, so, you, the entire book that you you lay out here, it's not just all gloom and doom. I mean, no, you, no, no, no. You do a great job, kind of laying out in this text with your team. What is kind of the the current context of the air that we're breathing in Mm. this new religion, which has its own dogmas, it it has its own beliefs, it has its own structure by which you can kind of clearly delineate membership in this type of thinking? But it's not all just gloom and doom, no, 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 and yeah. I'm not
0: into that at all yeah. and, 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 and to just so that everybody uh who listens to this wonderful podcast knows that's not the kind of place the university of Mary is we're sure. not about doom and gloom at all right uh we we don't rattle sabres and grind axes sure. and all those kinds yeah. of we're farmers, sure. you know what I mean we 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 grow prairie right we grow wheat yeah, right. <laughs> we and corn yeah. and soybeans and yeah that, that's that's our stuff, and so. And so, no, we, we try always to sound a resilient note of hope because the gospel has a conquering spirit mm-hmm. about it. And so the fact that we want to be clear-eyed in our diagnosis of, of the difficulty doesn't mean that we don't see a way forward. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that just briefly. First of all, um, this, this this neo-Gnostic new religion is a strange new religion which doesn't correspond. It's ideological in its character. And an, an ideology by its nature is an idea That of of human life and existence and society and and God that doesn't really correspond to reality doesn't Mm -hmm. correspond to human nature et cetera and so the thing does collapse it comes apart at the edges and you see that Mm -hmm. so so all of these things the sexual revolution for instance is one of the outgrowths of of this new neo gnosticism Mm -hmm. Uh, are people like fabulously happy now with their with their with their lives of love and uh, totally fulfilled this isn't true it's not mm-hmm. happening you know mm-hmm. what I mean in in that respect and so we think that the thing will collapse in upon itself mm-hmm. uh, and it is all around us and and it, but it's a matter of us being faithful in the meantime and holding the gospel in all of its resilient beauty and truth and joy mm-hmm. uh, and and doing that well and that does lead to the second uh, the second part of the book which talks about uh, the battle that is to be fought in the church all the time. Because mm-hmm. the, the idea that part of the neo-Gnostic uh, religion of the day is a utopian vision. Mm-hmm. And so it's this idea of a perfect society, which only arises if you remove the doctrine of the fall, mm. if you remove the, the idea that human beings need to be saved by a redeemer. And utopianism is really, really bad, but it's applied uh, to the church by people on both the right and on the left mm-hmm. so traditionalists and progressivists mm-hmm. uh, it, take for instance in in response to the second vatican council there are some who say the council shouldn't have happened at all we didn't need a small. we needed a restoration mm-hmm. and there are other people who say the council didn't get, go nearly far enough and we've got to take the spirit of the council and extrapolate it out uh to some extreme non-christian t- terrain mm-hmm. um and uh and what i think we we'd like to say is is no the church is not a utopia if you think that the church is supposed to sail over all of the ills of the world dispensing its medicines you don't understand how christ set it up in every single age in the same way that when he was incarnated cardinal dolan spoke about the incarnation at mm-hmm. mass this morning very mm-hmm. beautifully when when christ took on flesh he took on all the diseases of the human race he took them into himself Why? Because then he could overcome them uh, and generate the immunity in his blood. This is what his death and resurrection ultimately are all about. And the church is the mystical body of Christ. And so that's extended through time such that, And in every age and place, the church takes into herself all of the worst ideas, all of the deepest moral uh, iniquity, all of the the, the worst disobedience. In some of its members, the Mm -hmm. church takes that into herself. A great battle takes place within the church, but the church has the divine life just as Jesus did, such that it then is able to overcome the error Mm -hmm. and generate the immunity in its blood for itself and for the sake of the world. Mm -hmm. And that's meant to happen in every single age, which is very beautiful. Of course, another way to talk about that is to is to understand that the majority of the church is already safe and secure in heaven. Sure. And we're just the sort of least impressive stragglers sure. here down below, still working our, our way through. And so when people come up to me at cocktail parties, and instead of saying, can I get you another drink, Father, which is what I'd like them to say, they say, do you think the church is really going to survive? You know, I read about this latest <laughs> scandal or whatever, and then I get mad because I'm I've both been ambushed at a t- party, and I don't have a martini. And you're still
1: thirsty. That's right. It's, it's, it's a disaster.
0: And so, and so I say, uh, I say, what are you talking about? This this world isn't going to survive. It's yeah. going to turn to dust. The church is gloriously secure. Yeah. Uh, the question is whether whether those of us who are members of the church are going to persevere uh, such that we can take our place in the communion of saints. Right. So that's good. And then the communion of saints, of course, that's that last part uh, that St. Paul, very interestingly, uh, when he's writing, uh, doesn't say that the way that we should take up arms, the way that we should fight is by attacking primarily, mm-hmm. although sometimes we do take the offensive, but by standing, by standing firm, mm-hmm. uh, by persevering. Uh, the 15th chapter of Paul's letter to the Romans speaks about God as a God of perseverance and encouragement. Mm -hmm. I love, love, love Love, love, love that juxtaposition, sure. that our God is a God who is both of perseverance, of endurance, mm-hmm. that that's the essence of the Christian life, mm-hmm. uh, to endure, uh, to not give in, to not give up, to not throw in the towel. Mm-hmm. And as long as we do that, we always win. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so then God is also a God of encouragement. He fills us with the courage. Mm-hmm. He, he encourages us such that we're able truly uh, to do what we need to do, uh, to win through to the kingdom by his grace. Oh, it's beautiful.
1: The moral of the story is don't ask loaded, ridiculous questions and then make Monsignor have a dry throat. I mean, if you're going to ask him these questions, <laughs> at least let him be fortified with his martini, right? Uh, I, yeah, just to just to wrap this up, I know our, our listeners on their treadmill exercise are about ready to jump off the machine and tell us to be quiet. They're thirsty too, they're thirsty. They're <laughs> now they're dreaming of martinis. <laughs> um, I just love this immunity image. Yeah, uh, you know the the Holy Father Pope Francis wants a messy church that's out in the peripheries, that's out in the trenches, meeting people. And when you're there in kind of the uh, the dirt of this world. Yeah, you can you can just you can pick up the air that you're breathing, and sometimes it's a dirty air, um, and yet Christ's mystical body, with His divine life in the church, uh, guided by the power of the Holy Spirit, already saved as the eternal bride of Christ, she has all the resources she needs to overcome everything in this world, as Christ has already done in His victory on Easter Sunday, and within that, through her intellectual you know abilities and all the spiritual resources at her fingertips the church can build up the antibodies to to address and to correct any of these woes that come up in this world. Yeah. It's a really hopeful image and I'm I'm so grateful that you can articulate it so clearly but can also promote it in this new text. It's a great gift.
0: Yeah, let me me just put a little color on that, uh, just a little spin. The antibodies actually are the saints. Mm. The antibodies in the bloodstream of the church that the church produces in every age are the saints. Mm -hmm. And you see this gloriously uh, come true. And so, yes, it's really wonderful. Mm -hmm. So that personifies the image that we're bringing to the table here. Awesome.
1: Well, Monsignor, I know you're a busy man. We're so grateful that you took time to be with our listeners here on Outcast Catholic. Keep up the good work, and let's pray for one another. Let's go get a martini. God bless everybody. God
0: bless you. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless.